Hello and welcome to the Natural Birth Co Podcast. Thank you so much for jumping on. I'm really excited to have you here today to talk about probably one of my most favorite and passionate topics in birth preparation. So we've been covering over the last week the three aspects to prepare for a natural birth. So that's to prepare physically, that's to prepare mentally, and today we're going to cover how to prepare your birth partner. So this is a topic that I'm really passionate about because of how much of an impact it actually has on your birth experience. Here at Natural Birth Co, we actually put a massive, massive focus on preparing the birth partner for the birth experience because... When you have an efficient birth partner that is confident in the birth space and knows exactly how to support for you, advocate for you, do decisions, all sorts of things that we're about to delve into, that is honestly the biggest impact to your natural birth experience. Now, the stats actually show this. However, I'm not going to say them because I can't remember them exactly and I couldn't find them before the podcast, but the birth partner being confident and effective makes the biggest impact to your natural birth experience, more so than yoga, more so than affirmations, more so than coping with labor, you having an effective birth partner will make the biggest impact to whether you have a natural birth or not, more so than any other thing that you can do. So we put ultimate, ultimate focus on preparing the birth partner for birth in so many different ways. So I'm super excited to delve into this with you and we're going to jump straight on into it. podcast is brought to you by Natural Birth Co. We help women and their partners prepare physically and mentally for a natural and empowering birth experience. With pregnancy yoga, Pilates and workshops, all led by our registered midwife, we have a studio here on the Sunshine Coast, Australia. Otherwise, all of our services are available online. You can learn more at naturalbirthco.com. If you wish to advertise on this podcast, you can visit naturalbirthco.com forward slash pregnancy dash podcast. Now enjoy this ad-free episode. Hello, mamas. We are here to talk all about today the birth partner's role in labor, what their role is, what exact tasks do we want them to do, how can they impact their birth experience and why it is so important to get them on board and get them confident and knowing what to do in the birth space to support you in labor. I'm so excited to delve into this topic today. So it was quite interesting as I went through all the roles that we encourage your birth partner to take on in labor here at Natural Birth Co., I really kind of figured out it was for kind of three overarching reasons as to why we want them to do these roles. So there's six main roles that we get them to do in labor, but the three overarching goals that these roles and these tasks that they do, how they really impact your birth experience is first of all, they get you an empowered birth that you're satisfied with. Second, they help you stay in your reptilian brain. And third, they allow your birth to flow effectively and progressively. So let's break these three down. So first of all, getting your empowered birth that you're satisfied with rather than a traumatic birth that's fueled with regret and guilt. So what is so impactful for this aspect is that when you have a birth that is really fueled by your values Everything that happens in that birth is based upon your values, the order of events, how things go down, the decisions that are made and why they're made in that way is all surrounding your values, right? So that 
is what really helps you have a birth experience that is really satisfied and that you feel empowered by at the end of the day. At the end of the day, anything can happen in birth and we don't have control what we don't have control over. However, what we do have control over in the birth experience is the decision making and how your birth goes down in the sense of what decisions you make. So this is really impactful to your birth and your birth partners. A lot of what they do is surrounded by how you make decisions during birth. What do you value? And knowing that about yourself and them knowing that about yourself is really, really important. Um, As a little side note, another um, second aspect to getting that empowered birth that you feel satisfied with is doing everything you absolutely can to prepare. When you've done everything you can to prepare and you've been the primary decision makers of your birth experience, then there's no regret. There's no guilt. Those feelings are the worst for your birth trauma. You're always thinking, what if, what if, what if? However, if you know you did absolutely everything you could and you know that you were the primary decision maker and every single decision was based upon your values, then there's nothing else you could have done. There's so much about birth that is uncontrollable. However, if we control and we hold on tight what we can, then that is the answer to an empowered and confident birth experience that we feel satisfied with. So the partner being a part of that is huge. Um, Staying in your reptilian brain, which is the second um, goal that the partner can have an impact on. So staying in our reptilian brain allows the mama to move intuitively and feel intuitively throughout her labor, which is really impactful to your birth experience. Um, Being in your reptilian brain also allows your hormones to flow efficiently, which allows your contractions to flow efficiently, which also allows your effective pain relief to be released, which allows you to, which is our third point, cope with pain and labor. When your hormones are flowing efficiently and the contractions are flowing well, as is your natural pain relieving um, hormones. So they're going to be really, really helpful towards um, you having that natural birth experience. Also, when we're in our reptilian brain, we create this kind of time warp present state where we're not thinking about the future. We're not worried about the past. We're not aware that we've been here for two hours, eight hours, 12 hours, 24 hours in labor. We're always just in the present moment. It's this weird little time warp experience, which can be really helpful towards your natural birth. Um, this also helps avoid mental exhaustion when we're in our reptilian brain because we're moving intuitively, we're feeling intuitively, we're not worried about time, we're coping really well. This can really help with um, us remaining alert, mentally alert and not getting so exhausted during labor. Plus as well, when we're not feeling stressed, stress creates exhaustion. So when we're we're present, we're trusting in the process, we're in our reptilian brain, this creates this really um, relaxed nervous state, which is really positive to um, yeah, maintain your mental stamina during labor. Um, And third and final overarching goal of the partner's role is that it allows your birth to flow effectively and progressively. So when your partner fulfills their role effectively and progressively, um, they actually support your hormones to allow them to flow as nature intended. Now, when our hormones flow as nature intended, we get these beautiful surges of oxytocin in a way that's individual and independent to you. When we get these surges of oxytocin, we create beautiful, strong contractions, which really helps your baby move down 
and out of the pelvis, helps the cervix open around baby's head. This is what progress is. Progress is baby's head moving down, down, down the pelvis. So when we have beautiful, strong, effective contractions, that's one really core component to allowing that progress to happen effectively, which happens when our hormones are in flow. Um, And the second aspect that I wanted to mention in allowing your birth partner to, um, sorry, your birth to flow effectively and your partner impacting that is that they support you physically through creating space in the pelvis. I know with us specifically in our birth workshop, we really teach the partners where, how to know where baby is in the pelvis and then how to create space in the pelvis based on where baby is, whether they're in the inlet, the mid pelvis, the outlet, how to create space, how to know where baby is to allow baby to continue to move down, down, down through the pelvis. Okay, amazing. So they're the three overarching goals as to why we want our birth partner to be effective and useful and confident in the birth space. So that is to help you stay in your reptilian brain, help you get that empowered and satisfying birth experience, avoiding trauma, regret, guilt, and also allows your birth to flow effectively and productively throughout um, throughout your birth. So the six roles that we really... Um, teach and encourage our partners to do during the labor and birth experience to really help with these three overarching goals. We're going to go through each individually now. So set up and protect the birth space. That's a really easy and impactful role for the partner to do during birth. Anybody can do this, um, can do this role for your labor experience. So setting up the birth space and protecting it. You want your birth space to be a space that makes you feel calm and relaxed. This space needs to make you feel safe, undisturbed and unobserved. Okay. So when you're setting up this birth space at home, keep in mind things like noisy neighbors, things like people walking past at the front of the street, being able to look in. We want you to feel undisturbed, unobserved and safe. So really taking into account all these different factors. If you have roommates or if you have other kids or if you have dogs, what are we doing with them? Really figuring out exactly what setup are you going to have to feel safe, undisturbed, unobserved. Things like TV, on or off, what sort of music, what do we want to hear, what do we want to smell, what do we want to see that's going to make us feel safe, undisturbed and unobserved, okay? That feeling you want to be able to, you need to be able to transport with you to hospital. So you can take in lights, you can take in um, oils for to use with a diffuser, you can take in um, speakers, you can take in whatever you want, except for real flame candles, by the way, into the hospital to create this environment that makes you feel safe, undisturbed, unobserved. And then your partner's role, once they set up this birth space, is to protect it. Now, at home, that's going to be much easier. At the hospital is when this space may potentially be compromised just by people not really knowing what type of birth space you're after. So this might include, say, if you've got your birth space going on, it's just you two in the hospital room and someone comes in and they just turn the lights on. You can just go and tell them to turn that off. That's a perfect example of 
protecting the birth space. Another example might be if um, the lovely midwives are doing some sort of handover or something in the actual birth room um, where you can maybe hear them talking, you can hear them talking, it might be about you, it might be about someone else, but that's ruining the vibe, that's ruining the birth space, that's ruining the environment. It's not making the mum feel very safe, undisturbed or unobserved. So you can again ask them to have those sorts of conversations outside of the room. They definitely don't need to be inside the room. That's a perfect example of protecting her birth space. So one, figure out what the birth space is that the woman wants, what makes the woman feel safe, undisturbed and unobserved, what are the potential things that are going to come into that birth space, how can we mitigate them, how can we protect them and really getting your head around this before labor. Okay, I may have to... um, and I'm speaking as if I'm speaking to the guys in the birth workshop. But mamas, you can always just transcribe this to your birth partner in your own words. But um, getting their heads around, potentially having to, you know, tell tell the midwives to go out of the room, etc., is really important for um, for your birth experience. So from this role, what I really encourage you mamas to do is to have a ponder, have a brainstorm about what birth space do you want at home and at hospital? What um, extra materials do you want as in like, you know, candles or, or a speaker or oils, etc. Figure that out, write that down, communicate that to your birth partner. So they're super duper clear of how to set up at home and also what to pack up to take to the hospital and how to set up at the hospital as well. So the second role for the birth partner in labor is to support you emotionally. Okay, this is a really tricky one to navigate. I can completely have empathy for the birth partners in this one because it's really hard to know that you're doing a good job because obviously the laboring woman isn't being like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Oh, you're so great. Oh, you did this right. You did that right. Do less of this. They're so in their own zone that you've really just got to kind of pick up the subtle cues, give things a go and just hope that she tells you to stop if she doesn't like it. And if she does like it, it's usually a great sign. If she's not saying anything, it's usually a great sign that she does like it. So supporting emotionally in labor. This is um, from the first aspect, helping you stay in your reptilian brain. When mama is in her reptilian brain, which is her instinctual brain, her, her primal brain, which is the space we want to be at during labor, then that she knows what to do in that state. In that state, she can cope with pain in labor. In that state, her hormones are running efficiently. In that state, she is being intuitive. A lot of the time, the birth partner is just whenever mama has a crisis of confidence that pulls her out of that state or whenever there's some sort of disturbance around that pulls her out of that state. The birth partner is trying to get her back into state, that state. And that's part of the emotional support during labor. So this might look like breathing with her. This might look like tickling her, massaging her. This might look like um, giving her affirmations or moving with her or suggesting some positions to get her back into this state. Um, We really want to help her feel safe so that she can get back into this reptilian um, state. Sorry. Stimulating oxytocin can be another really effective way to support mama emotionally in labor. 
So when we want to stimulate oxytocin, oxytocin is our love and connection hormone. This hormone also is a smooth muscle contractor, which is what contracts our uterus and creates these surges of contractions during labor. So mama needs to feel loved and connected to be getting these beautiful, effective surges of oxytocin. And there's also lots of different things we can do to stimulate oxytocin. Um, So anything that makes mama feel love connected, first of all, words of affirmation, um, expression of, of gratitude, of love, you know, saying, saying literally, I love you will trigger oxytocin stimulation in the mama. Um, also things like tickles will make her feel, um, oxytocin surges. Also things like, um, massage will make her feel oxytocin surges. Things like the birth environment being really calming will make her feel oxytocin surges. All sorts of things. Um, pressure points as well is another really great one to um, trigger oxytocin, especially if it's manifesting in um, contractions not being effective or not being coordinated. And um, this can be a really great use of oxytocin stimulation. Um, no te- no techniques to support your birth partner when they're pushed past that edge of tolerance. So. As the mama, you're going to be pushed past your edge of tolerance during the labor contractions, right? You're going to be pushed past that point. You want to tap out. You're too uncomfortable. You're done. You're over it. Um, You're very, very overwhelmed. This is pushed past your edge of tolerance and your partner needs to know how to support you emotionally during that time, how to get you back into that reptilian brain. Um, and again, this is often breathing with you, et cetera, et cetera, to bring you back into that state. Also supporting physically. Now, physically, I mean physical massage. How are we physically touching the woman to make her feel supported during labor? This can be strong massage. This can be light massage. This may be pain relief. This may be massage to um, to create space. This could be all types of different massage to support the woman in labor. But um, that's a beautiful way to support the woman physically. To also support her physically is have positions lined up. So um, I know with our dads in particular, we really go deep into, and this will cross over with um, one of our other points as well, which is enhance the natural process of birth, is that We teach our partners specifically how to recognize where baby is in the pelvis and how to create space in that place of the pelvis to allow baby to move through. And by that, it's through mama's positions. Mama's positions determines where the space is being created or not in the pelvis. So we teach our partners how to effectively guide the mummers into these positions, especially if mama's in her intuitive state and she's just moving intuitively, doing her thing, then that's okay. But especially if the mummers get a bit out of the zone, which 100% will happen during birth, um, probably multiple times as well. And the partner can be really effective at assessing, okay, cool. She's out of the state. Where is babe? What position can she do to create space to move this labor along? this position and and guiding mum into that position is really, really effective for um for the partners being able to support them physically in labor. So the other role, the fourth role is advocating for you in labor. Now advocation is simply 
kind of just standing up for you in labor, speaking out on your behalf. And this can be in the most kindest ways possible as well. But advocation is so important. And partners, even if they're, you know, a little bit more passive and gentle by nature, they need to know and be confident in advocating for you. So this might look like saying, um, oh, no, I know that, you know, my wife didn't want that. Um, This might look like, oh, can you actually slow down the syntocin and drip? This might look like, oh, can you, um, you know, leave the room while you're doing handover? We don't, um, this is ruining her birth space. So really having the guts to be able to stand up for you during birth is so important. This really helps you have a birth that is based on your own values, which is a birth that leads to the satisfaction and empowerment of your experience. So what I mean by that is that if we kind of put our hands up and surrender and just say, do what you want with me, you're going to be led down a path that isn't aligned to you, that isn't chosen by you. It is chosen by somebody else who most likely you don't even know who would definitely have different values to you. So that's a birth based on their values. It is important to have this birth based on your own values. So every single decision should be individually made. Just because you agree to one thing doesn't mean you then have to cascade to all the other decisions. And when I say that, I'm probably specifically talking about something like Um, an induction. Once you agree to an induction, because it's the safest thing for you based on your values, that's great. But you don't have to say yes to every little thing after that, just because you've chosen the one induction. Every single part of that induction can be a very well thought out decision from you and your partner. So for example, in advocating for you, you might know, okay, cool, we're going in for this induction. We're going to do our induction like this because you've talked about it in your birth preferences. You've talked about it with me. You've done your own research. You've talked about it with your um, healthcare provider and you know exactly how you want this induction to go down, right? And then someone comes in who probably doesn't know your birth preferences um, and is saying, all right, next thing we're going to do, we're going to turn up this Sinto again. We're going to get onto this position. Oh, do you want to jump on the bed and we'll check your vaginal exam? And it's up to your partner to know your birth preferences and stand up for your birth preferences so that you don't have to, right? So this might look like, oh, actually, we're not doing vaginal exams. Or actually, um, can we not turn up the Sinto straight away? Can we leave it for another hour? She's actually contracting really well right now. That can look like so many different things. But advocating, advocating for you and your birth preferences is so important. Now, when they know your birth preferences inside and out, they're able to advocate for this with confidence. They're able to understand what they're talking about. Um, so this is why I really, really encourage the partners to obviously do a birth course with you so that they have some sort of an idea what's going on, but very much be an active participant in figuring out the birth preferences and knowing exactly what you want and don't want. So a really great way um, I actually suggest to do this is to talk about a whole bunch of different scenarios. So this is during pregnancy. Talk about a bunch of different scenarios that could pop up during your birth and talk about how you may want to deal with that 
in this point of time. Oh, if this was to happen and that was to happen, I reckon I'd be happy with X, Y, and Z so that he can start building, or she, sorry, whoever, can start building a bit of an idea of what kind of decisions you would make in certain scenarios. The more you talk about this, honestly, it's amazing seeing the birth partner's confidence really grow. Not only their confidence grow, but also their awareness of what we're even talking about. Because, you know, a lot of the mamas, especially here at Natural Birth Co, we'll talk heaps of stuff in yoga and Pilates. We'll talk about different women experiences. Um, lots of the women will be talking about their first birth experiences, etc. So we kind of share a lot of information and ideas about um, about birth and different scenarios that may pop up. However, for the partners, they often have no freaking idea what could potentially pop up during labor. So if you were to come home after yoga and be like, oh, one of the mamas said this um, happened to them last time. So if that happened to us, I would like to do X, Y, and Z, I was thinking. Um, that can really help them just build an idea and an understanding about birth and more importantly about what decisions you would like to be made during that experience. This advocation for you, not only does it help you keep in that reptilian brain because you're not having to speak up for yourself, but it also really helps you feel super duper safe. When your partner is there standing up for you, you feel like nothing can break your vibe. You just feel so safe in their company that nothing can ruin that safety, which is really amazing for all those beautiful hormones and for you to be able to stay in your reptilian brain. This is also really, really amazing for the connection between you and your partner. There is nothing nicer than when you're in the most vulnerable time of your life, being childbirth, when your partner is just standing up for you and your babe and, and knowing your birth preferences and being so involved and present. It's just the most beautiful connection bonding experience and so many of our mamas and dads just get such a beautiful connection and bond throughout their birth afterwards. The mums are just like, oh my gosh, I just have no words. He was so there for me and it really creates this epic little connection and start to the life of you know, being either mum and dad or whoever your birth partner is, but I guess specifically I'm talking about mum and dads for this component, is that it's a really beautiful start to your parenting journey together because it took two people to make this baby. It really, truly took two people to birth this baby because you were both so present, so involved, rather than them kind of being off to the sidelines and you're like, I did all the work and like, although obviously you're the one birthing the baby, but when they're really present in the birth process, process with you as well. It creates this epic little unison to to the concept of parenting and looking after the child because you both together had to work really hard during the birth to um to make that happen. So yes, that's really amazing. Also when they advocate for you, you really avoid the cascade of intervention we call it. So the cascade of intervention you've probably you may have heard of before, but it's essentially when it's like, okay, you accept one thing maybe the syntocin and drip. And then that one thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another, leads to another. All of a sudden you're in this super medicalized birth and you're like, how the fuck did I even get here? Or you might look at after, and this is what unfortunately mamas, you know, who have had slightly traumatizing experiences will look back on. They're like, everything started great. And like, I wanted to have this natural birth. And then before I knew it, I was strapped to the bed. I couldn't feel my legs. And 
And then I was down in an emergency Caesar or whatever happened. And they're kind of like, how the fuck did we even get here? Like it literally just goes one thing to another to another. And I want you to know that intervention's not bad. Intervention is amazing. And intervention is really there um, to save mums and bubs. And they can be used really effectively. But it's so important that we use them effectively and we choose them effectively. We don't just kind of do something because we're told, but every single new intervention is a conscious value-based decision. Now, when we're talking about our value-based decision, we're talking about a decision that is based upon your values, that is based upon your own research, and that is based upon the health professional's recommendation. Those three factors together, helping you create an opinion and a decision. Every single intervention needs its own decision-making process. Just because you agree to the induction doesn't mean you have to take absolutely every single thing that they say and or recommend. Every new thing has to be newly decided for. It has to be newly decided for. And this is the thing that will stop the cascade of intervention. And if you end up saying yes to all the things, that's fine. That is so fine. And you will get through that birth experience no matter what happens and you will feel empowered and confident and satisfied because you made every single decision based on your individual opinion. And that's great. But what we don't want is you getting to the end and you being like, how the fuck did that just happen? How did we get ourselves in that, this position or in retrospect in that position? So um, yes, when your partner advocates for you, it really stops that cascade of intervention. And stopping this cascade event of intervention really allows you to have a birth that is aligned with your individual values based on your own decision making. The fifth role that they... Um, that the birth partners do in labor. So this kind of goes hand in hand with the last one is literally making decisions. As I said before, we are going to have an in-depth birth preferences checklist. Now this birth preferences checklist is really, really important to do preemptively during your birth with your birth partner. Now they are going to be fully aware of what that birth preference checklist is and probably even have a copy. So now usually the midwives are great at reading the checklist. However, if they don't and they might go to ask a question that you have preemptively thought about and decided based on your values, based on your research and based on your healthcare professional's opinion and you know, okay, you already do or don't want this thing, they shouldn't have to ask you. They can already ask your birth partner right? And your birth partner's already going to know this preempted decision, okay? Plus, if you and your birth partner have been going through a bunch of kind of potential things that may happen during your birth and what kind of decisions you want to make if that was the case, they're going to have a really good idea of what you want and what you don't want during that birth. So they're going to be able to make a lot of preemptive decisions for you, which is going to be really great for a few things. So one, that's going to help you stay in your reptilian brain. Two, that's going to help the hormones flow effectively. Three, it's going to help you cope with pain and labor way better because you're not going to be brought back into this logical mind. So them being able to make decisions for you is really, really, um, really helpful. And obviously if there's something that they're faced with that they're like, oh, I just don't know what the right thing is to do here. 100% they can ask you. We're just trying to minimize the amount of 
interruptions you're getting from your birth experience, right? And we're trying to minimize any logical decision-making, analytical mind um, type of topics that you will have to use your frontal lobe for. We really don't want to bring you into your frontal lobe. We want to keep you in your mammalian brain. And as I've kind of already discussed, like after our birth workshop, our parents will go back and have so much topics and chats to have after that birth workshop because it will stimulate so much conversation and potentials and ideas and understanding surrounding birth. So I really recommend you to do this with your birth partner before birth is kind of bring up different topics and scenarios. Even if like you're listening to the podcast, we have lots of podcasts um, of birth stories where you may listen to them and, and then talk about them with your partner later and be like, oh, I heard this thing today and I was kind of thinking about um, that scenario if it happened to us what would we want to do? Stimulate those conversations with your birth partner to really get that really great idea. And the sixth and final role that we teach your partner to do in labor, which again, kind of intertwines with a few of the other ones we've already talked about, but enhancing the natural process of birth, both hormonally and physically, to allow labor to progress efficiently. So essentially a really big overarching thing that we can't like, I guess, impacts throughout our whole natural birth co services is that labor is a beautiful place to be we don't want to linger in labor for too long we don't want labor to be longer than what it necessarily has to be and that is because mainly because when we're in the hospital setting there's a lot of time pressure on your labor unfortunately we're not really given the benefit of the doubt that often to have these super long labors so the more efficient and progressive our labors can be the less likely we are to be intervened with when it comes to birthing in the hospital setting specifically so when we're enhancing the natural process of birth this can be enhanced through your hormones and be enhanced physically with the which the birth partner can have massive impacts on both so essentially when we're trying to enhance the hormonal symphony this goes in regards to safe undisturbed unobserved with the environment with the advocation with the decision making um this goes into staying in your reptilian brain the partner can have a massive impact on this sole component of birth so when we're in the beautiful hormonal symphony, the hormonal flow of birth. This really allows your oxytocin to flow efficiently, which is the hormone of love and connection. Now, this can also be really significantly impacted by those oxytocin stimulating techniques we talked about earlier um, as well. So when we've got this beautiful flow of oxytocin, we're getting these really effective surges of contractions. They're reaching a really beautiful peak and then they trough off beautifully. Now, we get these surges in a really coordinated um, manner um, throughout labor that is individual to you. This may be two contractions in 10 minutes, three contractions, four, five even um, for this natural hormonal experience. Now, when we're having progressive contractions with really great breaks in between contractions, this is really effective for your natural birth because one, it's going to push your baby down the pelvis. Birth progress is assessed by baby literally moving down the pelvis, okay? So that is going to happen with good effective contractions. Now, what's also going to happen is that as babies moves 
as baby moves down, that head is going to be applying really great pressure on the cervix, making the cervix eventually soften, open, and get out of the way. So cervix maturation is going to be really great um, with good effective contractions. What's also really amazing for this is that when we have good effective contractions, we also get a really solid break. Now, this break is really important in between contractions for mum's um, exhaustion levels, for her to stay really nice and settled in between contractions, and also for babe to be able to catch their breath in between contractions. What is Whatever is naturally created from the woman is what she can handle. And this is one of my favorite birth affirmations, but the labor that a woman creates can't be bigger than her. It is her. So whatever labor your body is naturally creating, you can handle it. Your body wouldn't give you a labor too challenging to be able to handle. So anyways, that was a little side note, but supporting hormonally through labor to have a progressive and efficient birth. Now, physically, when I talk about helping a birth be physically efficient and progressive, it is simply creating space in the pelvis. When the partner knows where the baby is in the pelvis, the signs of where baby is, the signs of mama's movements to encourage and guide mama into positions that are going to create space in the pelvis, this is going to be really great at effectively having a progressive birth birth experience. So creating space in the pelvis, getting different bits of bones and joints and et cetera out of the way to let Bubby continue to move down, down, down through the pelvis. Okay, so that is our last point of um, the partner's role in labor. Now, I wanted to give a couple of take-home activities to help um, with you and your partner to get things going in order to prepare them for birth. So first of all, I've got five different points. First of all, brainstorm the birth environment that you're after for both at home and in hospital. What's going to make you feel safe, undisturbed, unobserved? You can brainstorm this by yourself and then talk to them about it, or you can brainstorm it together, but make them an active participant of that part because they're going to need to know how to set it up. Make sure, you know, as you get towards the end of your pregnancy, make sure the partner knows where the oil is, knows how the diffuser work, knows, you know, all the bits and pieces, where everything is, how everything goes down, because otherwise that's going to defeat the purpose if throughout the labor experience they're having to ask you everything, it's easier if you just go do it yourself. Okay, the second thing is write a birth preferences checklist together. Now, we actually have a free one of these. I'll actually pop it in the show notes. But essentially, birth plans get a bit of a bad rap. Now, I'm not saying to plan every single section of your birth. I'm not saying to plan out how long each stage is going to go, etc. We are massive, massive advocates, though, of having a birth preference checklist. And I think not having one is a fucking recipe for disaster because you don't know what you want and you're completely letting go and sacrificing any control that you have. You're giving all your power away in just winging it and not knowing what to do. So have your birth preference checklist. Know what you want. If all goes well, what you want. And if what doesn't go well, what you want. You can easily make different preferences based on scenarios Um, for lots of different scenarios, right? Even if you end up needing an induction, that's okay. If I do end up needing an induction, I'm happy to get one at 
41 weeks exactly. And when I want one, this is how I want it to go down. And these are the decisions I want to be able to make throughout the process, right? Um, So important to have that already splayed out, not only for your partner, but for yourself as well. Now, um, yeah, and do this birth preference checklist with your partner, have them involved. Every time you might hear a story in yoga from the other mummers, or you might listen to one of our podcast birth stories, or you might listen to the podcast from a health professional, read a book, put it all together and you figure out, yeah, I like that idea. Yeah, I like that idea. Add that to the birth preference checklist and talk about it with your partner. Okay. The third thing, workshop different scenarios together for decision-making. So we talked about this earlier, but essentially as new potentials and stories come into your you know, realm of understanding of birth and pregnancy, obviously it's so much, right? And for a lot of you guys, you're kind of just hearing about all this for the first time. So it can be a lot and it can be overwhelming. So whenever you have these kind of realizations of, oh, that's another thing. Oh, that's another thing. Talk about it with your partner. Workshop what you would want to do in that scenario based on yourself and your individual values. Whatever story you heard doesn't mean that the other person's way was wrong if you want to do it differently. That was just based on them and their values, hopefully. But you can make a totally different choice based on your values and opinions. Okay, fourth thing, pain relief options you are happy with. So I want you to know exactly what pain relief options are in your tool belt for birth. You need to know what pain relief options you're willing to give a go for your labor experience. If you go in to your birth with the thought, I'm going to see how I go. If I really need the epidural, I'm just going to get it. Then you're going to get the epidural hands down 100%. All right. So, and if, and if that's the case, that's super fine. You can have the epidural. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just making sure that if you want to have this natural birth experience, you have to have a bunch of tools in your tool belt on hand to use when you need, because otherwise you are going to reach the point of overwhelm. You are hands down going to reach the point of overwhelm during your labor experience. The question is, what do you do in that moment? The question is, does your partner know what to do in that moment? Okay. So when you um, are preempting your labor, you come up with lots of tools in your tool belt. And then those tools can be brought out throughout the labor experience, not all at once, one max two at a time. So for example, you might go in starting with breath work, right? And then you might be to the point, okay, cool. I want to start the TENS machine. And then you might want to try... Um, the shower, and then you might want to try something else. Having a list of all the ones that you're happy with and so that your partner knows what you're happy with and when he should suggest it. Because then you might get to a point where you're in such overwhelm, you're like, I don't know what to do. I'm just so uncomfortable. I feel so overwhelmed. I don't know what to do. This is going forever. He can be like, how about let's try um, the sterile water for injections. And he can know, okay, cool. That's one that she wanted to. That's one she was willing to do. That's one that's natural. And then him in his capacity, he can make that decision and he can tell the midwife, look, we need some sterile water injections. We're going to give it a go. Rather than you having to remember that that's an option for you. And I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but honestly, when you're in birth, the capacity to be able to think, 
I'm feeling a little overwhelmed. I could probably do with some more pain relief management. What was on my list of things that I'm happy with? What would be effective right now? You're not going to be able to make those decisions during labor. And if you do, it's going to be really hard and absolutely bring you back into this frontal lobe where we don't want you to be. So your birth partner having um, a nice list of the different pain relief techniques that you're willing to do and when to suggest them is going to be super duper effective. Um, even recently, I had a really great chat with um, one of my mums yesterday who came to her first mums and bubs class after her birth experience. And she was telling an amazing story about how um, she was feeling really overwhelmed um, during labor. She was having hectic back pain. Um, and her partner didn't even have to consult her, didn't even have to ask her, just said to the doctors, can we try the sterile water for injections and get them ready? And um, brought them in because he knew she's experiencing back pain and sterile water for injections can be helpful for back pain. He then talked to her as as her safe space and said, look, why don't we give the sterile water for injections a go because it'll help with your back pain. And she just said, yep. And then they did them and she said they were the most effective thing for her labor experience. So sterile water for injections, just as an example of the partner understanding the different tools that she's willing to use in labor and when they would be best, most effective. And the last point I wanted to say was, this is something that I really encourage all my couples to do is figure out the point for you as an individual when you are happy to have the epidural and communicate that with your birth partner. As an example, this might be like one time, if I've been in active labor, active labor being two or three contractions in 10 minutes or the cervix being at four centimeters, when I've been in active labor for over 12 hours and I ask for the epidural, let me have it. Or if I ask you, three times in between contractions for the epidural, let me have it, right? Because you are 100% going to ask for the epidural at some point during labor. And if you want that natural birth experience, you don't want someone to just succumb to it just because you've succumbed to it because it's obviously the entice of the epidural is right there in front of you um, throughout the whole labor experience. You want them to know your values deep down and you want them to be able to hold you accountable to that during your labor experience if you want. So yeah, getting really clear on what that limit is for you. And the two that I said then, there's no pressure to stick to those. You, they, like pick whichever one's good for you. Um but just pick one that's good for you and stick by it and communicate that to your birth partner. Amazing. So that wraps up our podcast on preparing your partner for birth. We focus hugely on this in our Abitance Active Birth Workshop, which I would love for you to be a part of if you are wanting to prepare your partner for birth and also to prepare your mind for birth, where you learn how to cope pain with pain in labor, etc. We teach all this and so much more in our birth workshop. So if you're interested, we have a workshop every month here on the Sunshine Coast. Otherwise, we do um, individual workshops online as well as a one-to-one. So you can always hit me up if you're interested. Otherwise, if you found this useful, feel free to share this podcast with some of your friends who are pregnant who would also find it effective on figuring out how to prepare the partner for birth. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for listening.
listening, I really appreciate you being here. All of our podcasts are recorded live in the Facebook group, so you are not only the first to listen to the podcast, but you are able to ask questions throughout the podcast. If you wish to jump into the Facebook group, the link is in the show notes. I would really appreciate if you left a five-star written review, shared this podcast with someone who would appreciate, or even share your recent listen on your social stories. Talk to you soon.